Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to your email from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And today we are completing our reading of Chapter 24, Specialness and Separation, with Section 8, The Meeting Place. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 265, Creation's Gentleness is All I See. And by way of opening this morning, um, I went forth and back until it became apparent that this, this poem from Mary Oliver said what I think the lesson says. And it's from her work, The Ponds. It goes like this. Every year the lilies are so perfect, I can hardly believe their lapped light crowding the black midsummer ponds. Nobody could count all of them. The muskrats swimming among the pads and the grasses can reach out their muscular arms and touch only so many. They are that rife and wild. But what in this world is perfect? I bend closer and see how this one is clearly lopsided and that one wears an orange blight. And this one is a glossy cheek half nibbled away. And that one is a slump purse full of its own unstoppable decay. Still, what I want in my life is to be willing to be dazzled, to cast aside the weight of facts and maybe even to float a little above this difficult world. I want to believe I am looking into the white fire of a great mystery. I want to believe that the imperfections are nothing, that the light is everything, that it is more than the sum of each flawed blossom rising and fading. And I do. Creation's gentleness is all I see. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Amen. That was great. Thank, Thank you. you. Beautiful. Amen. Thank you. I've got to get a book by Mary Oliver to keep with me. She's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That one made me really happy, too. Okay, friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne and Jessica, Fran, Karen, Micah, and Robin Marie. And we're joined in listening this morning with Ida and Mary and Harrison, Patricia, Judy, and Roz. Has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning? Um, I think that's the full vote for now. Okay. Well, let's pick it up then with Chapter 24, Specialness and Separation, Section 8. 
the meeting place. Paragraph 62. How bitterly does everyone tied to this world defend the specialness he wants to be the truth? <clears throat> His wish is law unto him, and he obeys. Nothing his specialness demands does he withhold. Nothing it needs does he deny to what he loves. And while it calls to him, he hears no other voice. No effort is too great, no cost too much, no price too dear to save his specialness from the least slight, <coughs> excuse me, the tiniest attack, the whispered doubt, the hint of threat, or anything but deepest reverence. This is your son, beloved of you as you are to your father. Yet it stands in place of your creations who are son to you, that you might share the fatherhood of God, not snatch it from him. What is this son that you have made to be your strength? What is this child of earth on whom such love is lavished? What is this parody of God's creation that takes the place of yours? And where are they, now that the host of God has found another son which he prefers to them? Lemoyne. Chapter 24, Specialness and Separation, Section 8, The Meeting Place. How bitterly, <coughs> excuse me, how bitterly does everyone tied to this world defend the specialness he wants to be the truth? His wish is law unto him, and he obeys. Nothing his specialness demands does he withhold. Nothing it needs does he deny to what he loves, and while it calls to him, he hears no other voice. No effort is too great, no cost too much, no price too dear to save his specialness from the least slight, the tiniest attack, the whispered doubt, the hint of threat, or anything but deepest reverence. This is your son, beloved of you as you are to your father, Yet it stands in place of your creations, who are son to you, that you might share the fatherhood of God, not snatch it from him. What is this son you have made to be your strength? What is this child of earth on whom such love is lavished? What is this parody of God's creation that takes the place of yours? And where are they, now that the host of God has found another son, which he prefers to them? The memory of God shines not alone. What is within your brother still contains all of creation, everything created and creating, born and unborn as yet, still in the future, or apparently gone by. <clears throat> what is in him is changeless, and your changelessness is recognized in its acknowledgement. The holiness in you belongs to him, 
and by your seeing it in him, it, okay, and by your seeing it in him returns to you. All of the tribute you have given specialness belongs to him and thus returns to you. All of the love and care, the strong protection, the thought by day and night, the deep concern, the powerful conviction this is you, belong to him. Nothing you gave to specialness but is his due, and nothing due him is not due to you. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Jessica. 63. The memory of God shines not alone. What is within your brother still contains all of creation, everything created and creating, born and unborn as yet, still in the future or apparently gone by. What is in him is changeless, and your changelessness is recognized in its acknowledgement. The holiness in you belongs to him, and by your seeing it in him, returns to you. All of the tribute you have given specialness belongs to him, and thus returns to you. All of the love and care the strong protection, the thought by day and night, the deep concern, the powerful conviction, this is you, belongs to him. Nothing you gave to specialness but is his due, and nothing due him is not due to you. 64. How can you know your worth while specialness claims you instead? How can you fail to know it is in his holiness? Seek not to make your specialness the truth, for if it were, you would be lost indeed. Be thankful, rather, it is given you to see his holiness because it is the truth. And what is true in him must be as true in you. Thank you, Jessica. And Fran. 64. How can you know your worth while specialist claims you instead? How can you fail to know it is in his holiness? Seek not to make your specialness the truth, for if it were, you would be lost indeed. Be thankful, rather, it is given you to see his holiness because it is the truth. And what is true in him must be as true in you. 65. Ask yourself this. Can you protect the mind? The body, yes, a little. Not from time, but temporarily. And much you think you save, you hurt. What would you save it for? For in that choice lie both its health and harm. Save it for show, as bait to catch another fish, to house your specialness in better style or weave a frame of loveliness around your hate, and you condemn it to decay and death. And if you see this purpose in your brothers, such is your condemnation of your own. Weave, rather than, 
a frame of holiness around him, that the truth may shine on him and give you safety from decay. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 65. Ask yourself this. Can you protect the mind? The body, yes, a little, not from time, but temporarily. And much you think you save, you hurt. What would you save it for? For in that choice lie both its health and harm. Save it for show, as bait to catch another fish, to house your specialness in better style, or weave a frame of loveliness around your hate, and you condemn it to decay and death. And if you see this purpose in your brothers, such is your condemnation of your own. Weave rather than a frame of holiness around him, that the truth may shine on him, and give you safety from decay. 66. The Father keeps what he created safe. You cannot touch it with the false ideas you made because it was created not by you. Let not your foolish fantasies frighten you. What is immortal cannot be attacked. What is but temporal has no effect. Only the purpose that you see in it has meaning. And if that is true, its safety rests secure. If not, it has no purpose and is means for nothing. Whatever is perceived as means for truth shares in its holiness and rests in light as safely as itself. Nor will that light go out when it is gone. Its holy purpose gave it immortality, setting another light in heaven where your creations recognize a gift from you, a sign that you have not forgotten them. Thank you, Karen. And Micah. Okay, 66. The Father keeps what he created safe. You cannot touch it with the false ideas you made because it was created not by you. Let not your foolish fancies frighten you. What is immortal cannot be attacked. What is but temporal has no effect. Only the purpose that you see in it has meaning, and if that is true, its safety rests secure. If not, it has no purpose and is means for nothing. Whatever is perceived as means for truth shares in its holiness and rests in light as as safely as itself. Nor will that light go out when it is gone. Its holy purpose gave it immortality, setting another light in heaven where your creations recognize a gift from you, a sign that you have not forgotten them. 67. The test of everything on earth is simply this. What is it for? The answer makes it what it is for you. 
It has no meaning of itself. Yet you can give reality to it according to the purpose which you serve. Here you are but means along with it. God is a means as well as end. In heaven, means and end are one, and one with him. This is the state of true creation, found not within time, but in eternity. To no one here is this describable, nor is there any way to learn what this condition means. Not till you go past learning to the given, not till you make again a holy home for your creations is it understood. Thank you, Micah. And Robin Marie? Sixty-seven. The test of everything on earth is simply this. What is it for? The answer makes it what it is for you. It has no meaning of itself. Yet you can give reality to it according to the purpose which you serve. Here you are but means along with it. God is means as well as end. In heaven, means and end are one, and one with him. This is the state of true creation, found not within time, but in eternity. To no one here is this describable, nor is there any way to learn what this condition means. Not till you go past learning to the given. Not till you make again a holy home for your creations is it understood. 68. A co-creator with the Father must have a son, yet must the son have been created like himself, a perfect being, all-encompassing and all-encompassed, nothing to add, and nothing taken from, not born of size, nor weight, nor time, nor held to limits or uncertainties of any kind. Here do the means and ends unite as one, nor does this one have any end at all. All this is true, and yet it has no meaning to anyone who still retains one unlearned lesson in his memory. One thought with purpose still uncertain, or one wish with a divided aim. Thank you, Robin Marie. And would there be a new reader then for 68 and 69? I can do it, Lori. Well, thanks, Judy. And um, I heard another voice. I know. We'll go after Judy. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, dear. Okay. Thank you, Ida. A co-creator with the Father must have a son, yet must this son have been created like himself, a perfect being, all-encompassing and all-encompassed, nothing to add and nothing, nothing taken from, not born of size, nor weight, nor time, nor held 
to limits or uncertainties of any kind. Here do the means in the end unite as one, nor does this one have any end at all. All this is true, and yet it has no meaning. To anyone who still retains one unlearned lesson in his memory, one thought with purpose still uncertain, or one wish with a divided aim. This course makes no attempt to teach what cannot easily be learned. Its scope does not exceed your own, except to say that what is yours will come to you when you are ready. Here are the means and the purpose separate because they were so made and so perceived. And therefore, do we deal with them as if they were? It is essential to, or it is essential it be kept in mind that all perception still is upside down until its purpose has been understood. Perception does not seem to be a means, and yet, or and, it is this that makes it hard to grasp the whole extent to which it must depend on what you see it for. Perception seems to teach you what you see, but, or yet, it but witnesses to what you taught. It is the outward picture of a wish, an image that you wanted to be true. Thank you, Lori. Uh, thank you, Judy. And Ida. Yes. 69. This course makes no attempt to teach what cannot easily be learned. Its scope does not exceed your own, except to say that what is yours will come to you when you are ready. Here are the means and purpose separate because they were so made and so perceived. And therefore do we deal with them as if they were. It is essential it be kept in mind that all perception still is upside down until its purpose has been understood. Perception does not seem to be a means, and it is this that makes it hard to grasp the whole extent to which it must depend on what you see it for. Perception seems to teach you what you see, yet it but witnesses to what you taught. It is the outward picture of a wish, an image that you wanted to be true. <clears throat> 70. Look at yourself, and you will see a body. Look at this body in a different light, and it looks different. And without a light, it seems that it is gone. Yet you are reassured that it is there because you still can feel it with your hands and hear it move. Here is an image that you want to be yourself. It is the means to make your wish come true. It gives the eyes with which you look on it. 
the hands that feel it, and the ears which you listen to the sounds it makes, and the ears with which you listen to the sounds it makes. It proves its own reality to you. Thank you, Ida. And is there a new reader for 70 and 71? Uh, 70 and 71. All right, Lemoyne, back to you. Look at yourself and you will see a body. Look at this body in a different light and it looks different. And without a light, it seems that it is gone. Yet you are reassured that it is there because you can still feel it with your hands and hear it move. Here is an image that you want to be yourself. It is the means to make your wish come true. It gives the eyes with which you look on it, the hands that feel it, and the ears with which you listen to the sound it makes. It proves its own reality to you. Thus is the body made a theory of yourself, with no provisions made for evidence beyond itself and no escape within its sight. Its course is sure when seen through its own eyes. It grows and withers, flourishes and dies. And you cannot conceive of you apart from it. You brand it sinful and you hate it to acts, judging it evil. Yet your specialness whispers, here is my own beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Thus does the Son become the means to serve his Father's purpose. Not identical, not even like, but still a means to offer to the, quote, Father what he wants. Such is the travesty on God's creation. For as his Son's creation gave him joy and witness to his love and shared his purpose, so does the body testify to the idea that made it and speak for its reality and truth. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Jessica. Thanks, Lori. 71. Thus is the body made a theory of yourself with no provisions made for evidence beyond itself and no escape within its sight. Its course is sure when seen through its own eyes. It grows and withers, flourishes and dies, and you cannot conceive of you apart from it. You brand it sinful and you hate its act, judging it evil. Yet your specialness whispers, here is my own beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Thus does the son become the means to serve his father's purpose. Not identical, 
not even like, but still a means to offer to the Father what he wants. Such is the travesty on God's creation. For as his son's creation gave him joy and witnessed to his love and shared his purpose, so does the body testify to the idea that made it and speak for its reality and truth. And thus are two sons made, and both appear to walk this earth without a meeting place and no encounter. One do you see outside yourself, your own beloved son. The other rests within, his father's son, within your brother as he is in you. Their difference does not lie in how they look, nor where they go, nor even what they do. They have a different purpose. It is this that joins them to their like and separates each from all aspects with a different purpose. The Son of God retains his Father's will. The Son of Man perceives an alien will and wishes it were so. And thus does his perception serve his wish by giving it appearances of truth. Yet can perception serve another goal? It is not bound to specialness, but by your choice. And it is given you to make a different choice and use perception for a different purpose. And what you see will serve that purpose well and prove its own reality to you. Thank you, Jessica. Sorry, you guys, I'm having a little trouble with my mute button. <laughs> um, so we'll finish this section then with Fran. 72. And thus are two sons made, and both appear to walk this earth without a meeting place and no encounter. One do you see outside yourself, your own beloved son. The other rests within, <coughs> excuse me, his father's son. The other rests within, his father's son, within your brother as he is in you. Their difference does not lie in how they look, <clears throat> nor where they go, nor even what they do. They have a different purpose. It is this that joins them to their like and separate, each from all aspects with a different purpose. The Son of God retains his Father's will. The Son of Man perceives an alien will and wishes it were so. And thus does his perception serve his wish by giving it appearances of truth. Yet can perception serve another goal. It is not bound to specialness, but by your choice. And it is given you to make a different choice and use perception for a different purpose. And what you see will serve that purpose well and prove its own reality to you. Thank you. And thank you everyone who read this section, the meeting place. So to summarize from that first paragraph, 
How bitterly does everyone tied to this world defend the specialness he wants to be the truth? Nothing his specialness demands does he withhold, and while it calls to them, him, he hears no other voice but its own deepest reverence. This is your son, beloved of you, as you are to your father. Yet it stands in place of your creations who are son to you, that you might share the fatherhood of God and not snatch it from him. In 63, the memory of God shines not alone. What is within your brother still contains all of creation, everything created and creating. The holiness in you belongs to him, and by your seeing it in him, returns to you. In 64, how can you know your worth while special, specialness claims you instead? Be thankful it is given you to see your brother's holiness because it is the truth and what is true in him must be as true in you. 65, ask yourself this. Can you protect the mind? Ah. Weave a frame of holiness around your brother that the truth may shine on him and give you safety from decay. In 66, what is immortal cannot be attacked. What is but temporal has no effect. Only the purpose that you see in it has meaning, and if this is true, its safety rests secure. Whatever is perceived as means for truth shares in its holiness and rests in light as safely as itself, nor will that light go out when it is gone. Its holy purpose gave it immortality, setting another light in heaven. And so how are we to know in 67? The test of everything on earth is simply this. What is it for? The answer makes it what it is for you. It has no meaning in itself, of itself, yet you can give reality to it according to the purpose which you serve. God is a means as well as an end. In heaven, means and ends are one and one with him. This is the state of true creation found not within time, but in eternity. In 69, it is essential to be kept in mind that all perception still is upside down until its purpose has been understood. Perception seems to teach you what you see, yet it but witnesses to what you taught. It is an outward picture of a wish, an image that you wanted to be true. In 71, thus is the body made a theory of yourself, with no provisions made for evidence beyond itself and no escape within its sight. Its course is sure when seen through its own eyes, and your specialness whispers, here is my own beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Such is the travesty in God's creation, for as his son's creation gave him joy and witness to his love and shared his purpose, so does the body testify 
to the idea that made it and speak for its reality and truth. And finally, in 72, thus our two sons made and both appear to walk on this earth without a meeting place and no encounter. One do you see outside yourself, your own beloved son. The other rests within, his father's son, within your brother as he is in you. Their difference does not lie in how they look, nor where they go, nor even what they do. They have a different purpose. It is this that joins them to their like and separates each from all aspects with a different purpose. The Son of God retains his Father's will. The Son of Man perceives an alien will and wishes it were so. And this, thus does his perception serve his wish by giving it appearances of truth. Yet, can perception serve another goal? It is not bound to specialness but by your choice. And it is given you to make a different choice and use perception for a different purpose. And what you see will serve that purpose well and prove its own reality to you. Amen. And you know what? Um, for all of this about purpose and seeing, I think it would be just a lovely place to stop and reflect on what the lesson offers today in that regard. So perfectly aligned. So, uh, Fran, let's turn it over to you now with our thanks. Well, thank you, Lori. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme is What is the Body? And the lesson for today is Lesson 265. Creation's gentleness is all I see. So I shall read some from What is the Body? The body is a fence. The Son of God imagines he has built to separate parts of his self from other parts. It is within this fence he thinks he lives, to die as it decays and crumbles. For within this fence, he thinks that he is safe from love. The body will not stay. Yet this he sees as double, quote, safety. For the Son of God's impermanence is, quote, proof. His fences work and do the task his mind assigns to them. The body is a dream. Like other dreams, it sometimes seems to picture happiness, but can quite suddenly revert to fear wherever dream is born. For only love creates in truth, and truth can never fear. Made to be fearful must the body serve the purpose given it. But we can change the purpose, which the body will obey by changing what we think that it is for. The body is the means by which God's Son returns to sanity. Though it was made to fence him into hell without escape, yet has the goal of heaven been exchanged for the pursuit of hell. You will identify with what you think will make you safe. Whatever it may be, you will believe that it is one with you. Your safety lies in truth, not in lies. Love is your safety. Fear does not exist. Identify with love and you are safe. Identify with love and you are home. Identify with love 
and find your capital S self. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 265. Creation's gentleness is all I see. I have indeed misunderstood the world because I laid my, quote, sins on it and saw them looking back at me. How fierce they seemed, and how deceived was I to think that what I feared was in the world instead of in my mind alone. Today I see the world in celestial gentleness with which creation shines. There is no fear in it. Let no appearance of my, quote, sins obscure the light of heaven shining on the world. What is reflected here is in God's mind. The images I see reflect my thoughts, yet is my mind at one with God's, and so I can perceive creation's gentleness. In quiet would I look upon the world, which but reflects your thoughts and mine as well. Let me remember that they are the same, and I will see creation's gentleness. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 265, creation's gentleness is all I see. In quiet, what I look upon the world, which but reflects your thoughts and mine as well. Let me remember that they are the same, and I will see creation's gentleness. Lesson 265, creation's gentleness is all I see. Amen. Amen. That was so beautiful, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you. What beautiful synchronicity between the today's lesson and our reading for today. Um, 
the reason really speaks very directly about the question of how I perceive myself, who I think I am, and focuses on what is what's going on within my mind and clearly for me in course everything depends on what's going on in my mind my whole experience good bad ugly indifferent depends on what's going on in my mind. Today's lesson uh, reflects for me uh, a couple of con concepts that I see throughout the course. And that is uh, the, the uh, concept of projection and the concept of extension. I look within my mind and I judge whether guilt or forgiveness is real. I look within my mind and I judge whether the, the body uh, that I have created is real. Uh, the body that I have created is God-given. Or is forgiveness real? which reflects the idea that I am not a body. I'm a thought of God. I am an idea in the mind of God. And all of my true thoughts reflect that same thought. And all of my creations are a reflection of that same thought. And those creations are not the creations that we think of in the world. They're not the beautiful pieces of art that Philip Hoffman uh, creates beautiful as they may be. Our creation our creation are extensions of God's thoughts. They are ideas that arise from the mind align with God. And they are inevitably 
thoughts of love. And I read it the other day, I lost two years. And I saw a clip of Donald Trump. And I always like watching Donald Trump. And uh, the one thing that stood out for me was him describing uh, his ideas about the magistrate uh, in Florida. And, and I've heard him say this about a lot of people. Uh, he hates me. He hates me. You know? And I thought about that and thought about what does that say about where that idea comes from and him or me or anybody else. The idea that somebody outside of you hates you. Who is he describing as himself? Uh, would a holy son of God who saw himself as God created him come near thinking that he could be hated? And yet, to one extent or another, those of us who have not embraced these teachings, and this is not to be quote-unquote critical, because most of the world have not embraced these teachings. For those who have not, those of us who have not, we live in a world of fear, attack, sickness, death. That's all we see. And we do not see creation, gentleness. And I'm 63. The memory of five times not alone. What is within your brother still contains all of creation. Everything created and creating, born and unborn as yet. Yet Still in the future, apparently gone by. What is in him, my brother, is changeless. And your changelessness is recognized in its acknowledgement. What is in Donald Trump is changeless. And my changelessness is recognized in my acknowledgement of that changeless in him 
The holiness in you, he tells me, belongs to him. And by my seeing it in him returns to me. All of the tribute I have given specialness belongs to Donald Trump and thus returns to me. All of the loving care, the strong protection, the thought by day and night, the deep concern, the power conviction, this is me, belong to him. Nothing I gave to specialness, but it's his duty. And nothing due him is not due you. How I see my brother is how I see myself. Creation's gentleness is all I want to see. I'm complete. Thanks for letting me go on. Oh, Harrison, you chose just a perfect illustration. Thank you so much for that lesson. Thank you, totally. That was great, Harrison. Thank you so much, Harrison. That was great. Yeah, thank you. This is Wendy. Good morning. I started to have this image of a pyramid of consciousness. And at the lowest level are the most people and the most separation. And depending on it, that it's almost like you get to take an elevator as you change your mind about what the world is and who anybody is, and you begin to re- recognize God, you decide you want to see God. So then giving up judgment, you move up a little bit, your vibration refines, and now it's a little, it's not as dense. It's not as many people. There's more oneness. And then you give up something else, something old, you know, as as you let go of these old ideas and the old self, the history, as you let all that drop away and and look for the new, look for the Christ that's one in yourself and in others. You keep moving up like on this elevator, you know, to where you get to a point where it's just one. Everything that was in the pyramid was always that just one but I had to keep changing my mind to a higher and higher state of love, of grace, of peace, extending that to all the ones at whatever level I was there and knowing that I get to see them differently. It's all the same ones except now it's more unified. It's more... um, People who didn't used to have any idea of The Course in Miracles are now talking to me as though they'd read the book, you know. And somebody like Donald Trump is an angel behind whatever appearance we've given him as he's like the 
playing the role of the, the devil in our lives or has for a number of people. Uh, but of course, you know, believing in Satan only for our minds to straighten. Uh, so every time we're willing to let go of what seems dark and oppressive and wrong in somebody else, and we just love, the angel starts to emerge. Well, that's been my experience, and it's a really great motivation to change my mind about everybody because it feels like I move closer and closer to heaven that way. I'm complete. <laughs> Wendy, that was another perfect illustration. <clears throat> thank you, thank you. Yes, that was good. Thank you, Wendy. Yeah, loved it. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's Jude. I have um, long tried to live through the course to learn and how to be a transcendent, incredible lightness of being, one with my source, one with love, seeing only through the eyes of love itself, to see everything as itself, its own, all belonging only to it. And but it came, it came through like Lori, not Lori, but who was it, Wendy, that just spoke of it, through. Um, levels of learning and understanding, letting go of my thoughts as personal, letting go of thoughts as, as impersonal, letting go of thinking, the limited thinking mind itself, that God's being was beyond thought, was beyond belief, and was in a state of stillness and of unknowingness, where God could know me as himself where there was no sense of self-consciousness within me left whatsoever. And in that stillness, in that grace, returning to perception and form, seeing through those eyes still. But the, the learning and the learning of the levels of understanding to reach that one great understanding that it is all God being God itself, in the wonder and mystery of its creation, his creation, his reality, his one kingdom, his one son. And my identification over and over again, every time I lost my peace, every time I lost my sense of joy, every time I lost my sense of incredible lightness of being, being without the body, being without a separate mind, separate thoughts, separate agendas, separate plans, joining in the oneness of my one source. I didn't know where God started, was, or, or continued to be. There was no beginning or no end within him. And it's, it was only, it's, and it still continues only to be that way for me, that I can, I can you know, in any given moment, re- re- revert or um, step down and, and focus my attention, focus 
my attending to particulars and where I've discovered I lose my peace is in granting my perceptions more importance than my sense of my oneness with my source. That if ever I lose my peace, it's through that. The judge, judging, evaluating, estimating the worth and value of things in particular and giving them more importance than the totality of my reality of knowing that knowingness of God, which is in everything, knowing it itself as itself. And they're two completely distinct things, completely distinct and opposite. And the di differentiation and all the differences and distinctions are in perception, not in knowledge, not in God knowing himself as himself, as everything as a cre his creation his love extending as a gift of everything to itself. So this is huge. And the qualities, the qualities that I've learned through um, the Manual of Teachers of God is, is, is really apparent here because within gentleness is joy, the absolute gentleness and peace in the love of God that attacks nothing, is opposed to nothing, rejects nothing, is all-encompassing and all-encompassed within itself. Wherein lies my safety, my protection, and my peace. I'd like to hold on to that today. <laughs> and the idea of eternity here is really beautiful to me, that all has happened all at once, it always has been, always is, and always will be. It's the one perfect Son of God. That our perf perfection lies in our knowing, our being, our existence is God, is in God, is with God, is for God. And being in existence is the same, is identical, and that it is everywhere and in everything. So things that are of time, things that are changing, things that take appearances and form, if I think of them all as happening at once and not separate and distinct in time, not separate and distinct in place, where time and space no longer has a meaning to me that I see through the eyes ageless eyes of eternity. What wonderful, beautiful, truthful, absolutely excellent ideas I love to hold today. Thank you for bringing me a space and a place and a time <laughs> to share this learning with you all. God bless you and I love you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Hey, thanks. That was very sweet. Mm -hmm.
this is Wendy. When I was listening to Spirit come through a channel, uh, oh dear, there goes the thought. <laughs> right out the window. Um, well, my main message was to say that when I think back on how beneficial this call has been for my awareness and really strengthened these ideas by sharing them. Oh, I know. The teachers used to say, everything comes about by our agreement. And here we all are on this call agreeing to the truths of this book. And I can feel it manifesting. I can feel those that seemed like they didn't really know the Course or believe in it, speaking as though it was their truth. And I feel like the call has opened my mind to the possibility that we really all are angels. And this has been the platform where that became the most apparent. And from there, from this call, then I can launch out into the world and hold on to these agreements that we've made and trust that the more I agree to it, the more I'll see these truths uh, outside myself in those that appear to, you know, be indifferent or be against it or whatever, you know. So I just wanted to express my great gratitude to all the people that show up here in the morning and remind one another and support one another and encourage one another and remind one another we are one. We are love. And we are being anew and complete. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank I'm you. I'm so grateful for that, Wendy. <laughs> thank, thank you. Amen. Thank you, Wendy. One thing I wanted to say, when you mentioned the word angels in my morning meditation, um, it came to me that angels are, are, I've always believed in angels since I was a child, knew that we have angels, mighty companions, (coughs) excuse me, that that come with us, that guide us, nurture us, and, and protect us. And the idea that that angels are more blessed and closer to God because they are ideas. They are ideas in our mind, like God is an idea in our mind, like we are ideas in the mind of God. And to think of everything as an idea in the mind of consciousness, in the mind of God, as one mind, unified in its perfection as the Son of God, came to me when I was reading this um, meditation this morning that how wonderful and kind and loving we think angels are and how only what is wonderful and kind and loving in us, in our expression to each other, is the truth of us, how God created us to be. And if we see only that and look only for that, that we will know ourselves and each other as God created us as formless, 
spiritual beings, always and forever in a state of grace, that that is our reality, that is our truth. And it's only when we pay attention and focus on this, or when I pay only attention and focus on only this, that I will slowly let go of perception, and I will not invest myself in perception as being real. What I've so convinced my mind to to think and believe of as real, undoing, undoing, and undoing the the great deceptor, the perception of form, which tells me something that is not the truth about myself, that I am this body, that you are your bodies, that we are limited and fragmented and, 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 and in pieces. We are, we are not in pieces and the sum of the pieces, but we are one in, in oneness alone, in our source alone, as one son with him. Here I go, here I go again. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Uh, thank yeah. you, Judy. Hi, this is Micah. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Micah. Okay. Um, going to the lesson, uh, created, creation's gentleness is all I see. Uh, for me, it's very important to observe any obstacles to that. And one of the obstacles that I've witnessed within is the attachment of my views and my beliefs. And I know that each brother and sisters has their own point of view. And to prevent the conditioning of I'm right, you're wrong, no, I'm right, you're wrong. And to have that conflict is not supporting creation's gentleness. So um, as I'm learning right understanding and right view, do I need to make others want to hold on to that point of view and am I capable of doing that um, and also a biggie this is a biggie accepting total responsibility for any reactions that occur within me boy if you think of all the obstacles that might come up with that one um, because the responsibility for what I see is mine. And the choice of the feelings I experience are mine. That's a tough one when uh, the ego wants to blame and not have us look at that form of responsibility. Accepting full responsibility for our reactions that occur within. Um, 
So it, it really benefits me if I'm aware of what goes on within, within me and take full responsibility for the only thing I could change. It's the only thing I could change. Wow. But it's, it's a powerful, powerful responsibility to change, to release that and embrace the creation's gentleness within myself. And a, a, another indicator of creation's gentleness is on my respirations, my breath's gentle. If I bring more consciousness to my respirations, I'm bringing into consciousness whatever has been unconscious within me. That's a wonderful thing, as uncomfortable as it may be, to have something from the past come into my awareness through my respirations. I can let that go. Because really, my respirations reflect my mental state. If my breath is regular and gentle, that's a great indicator that my mind is peaceful and calm. And vice versa, if my mind isn't gentle and peaceful and calm, I know my respirations will show that. So can I be present with my respirations and be free within just by that practice. I'm complete. Thank you. Practical. That was really sweet, Very Chris. Good. I love that yeah. responsibility. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. That absolute, with the capital A, peace that is the condition for knowing where I come from, <laughs> what is my source. And the qualities that come from that is where the sacred comes into being me as a human. It's so true of what you just spoke. So the recognition or even just the intuition of what that unity of being God is, All that is good comes from that goodness, being itself. Dignity, compassion, tolerance, gentleness, stability, joy. <laughs> Oh, I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. And Micah. Oh, um, well, I was going to uh, just thank Judy's share about, you know, especially that movement into the mind, you know, God's mind, and and suddenly it was all consciousness. Uh, and I, that was the shift I was longing for, because in the lesson, this one line just really stood out. 
where it's, it's just uh, four words of five. The body is a dream. And, I, and it just seems so profound. The body is a dream. And, I, and I've had that feeling, uh, you know, and saw it very clearly at times, you know, that, that how true that is. And this morning it was like the body was uh, felt so real and space-time felt so real. And I, and I longed for this movement into, uh, it's just such a delicious feeling when something can encompass the idea that this is a, a dream dimension of of consciousness of thought in this mind of with the, that we share with each other and with God, and it's a profound experience, and um, uh, everything falls into place with a different in a different perspective, and so I was longing for that and. Uh, I, I wasn't. I, I thought of some quotes that I could maybe uh, read and find that for for myself that might make that shift possible. And I think it's one of the hardest shifts for us to make is to move from a real, the feeling of what seems to us a very real world. And Jesus kind of highlights how the senses, the way it even just interprets its own body, how how it justifies itself this world to itself in this very limited perspective and then to move from that into that this is a, a, a projection of consciousness in a mind is a huge huge step and um, I wasn't sure how how, how the, the miracle would happen but somehow it happened during Judy's share and it, it happened with an ease um, and uh, anyway, it was, I appreciated that quite a bit. And uh, so this quote here um, kind of came close to, comes close to really highlighting what this dream dimension is. But it says, Today we will embark upon a course you have not dreamed of, but the Holy One, the giver of the happy dreams of life, Translator of perception into truth. The holy guide to heaven given you has dreamed for you this journey which you make and start today with the experience this day holds out to you to be your own. Isn't that beautiful? We're, we're not even... There, there's so little required of us, fortunately, because that us is part of the illusion of a separate self. So it helps us to let go of a lot of that illusion. And and now we're dreaming with the Holy One, you know. It's um, another way to let go into this wholeness and into our unity. Um, the, the other thing that... Well, maybe I'll stop there. I have another thing, but maybe later... Okay. Another way to let go. <laughs> thank you, Micah. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you, Micah. So you loved it. Thank, thank you, Micah. Let me see your face before you were born, before you even had an idea 
of being a person or in a place before you knew anything except where you came from. Heaven is its original idea. Heaven is its original idea. We're nothing unlike itself. Is is there nothing that is alien to it? We're living in an alien world, a world, a dream world, a dream of judgment. Here, go. I'll be quiet. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> you know, Thank you, that's, Judy. That's a really, that's a really beautiful springboard right there. Dream of judgment. Um, <clears throat> hi, you guys. This is Lori, and um, <laughs> what a gorgeous lesson today. Creation's gentleness is all I see. I remember one year I was doing this lesson and its full import came to me and I I thought to myself, uh, I don't know if it was always there or if I put it there. <laughs> and in that thought, I realized what the invitation of this section of the meeting place is. And the invitation, there's a real... Um, enticing idea uh, embedded within this whole section, the meeting place, that involves uh, our creations. And, um, and, and what I discovered about this whole section is that it's an invitation to deep inquiry. A very, very enticing invitation to deep inquiry. It has a lot of great um, ideas in it, not the least of which is that the ego and the body are the same illusion. Um, and if I identify myself with my body, I'm going to be identified with specialness. By definition, it's a thing apart, offense, uh, to keep me separate seemingly from love. The other invitation in this meeting place is um, to recognize that, um, well, here's what I discovered this morning. The meeting place section lies right between the branching of the road um, and the remedy. <laughs> right between the branching of the road and the remedy. <clears throat> and the branching of the road, if you recall, was in chapter 22. And he said, this road that you've taken uh, has come to a point where it branches. And the way you went before is not the way you're going to continue to go. Uh, you can stay here if you like, but there's nothing more futile than to stand still at the branching of the road. So the invitation 
uh, first of all, in this meeting place, is to give up my miscreation. And to me, that means that I created, <laughs> I, this person that I thought I was, uh, made this ego as my identity. And as long as that is retained in my awareness as my identity, I'm not going to um, be able to move ahead uh, to the remedy. I'm enticed, I'm invited to remember my creations, which is simultaneous to releasing my miscreation. It seems um, a hard thing to do until, um, well, it's an impossible thing for the ego to do. It seems like death to it. <clears throat> but do I want to go on <laughs> carrying the burden of this separate identity? I may want to, but I can't until I give up that miscreation, that idea that I thought I was. Um, I'm not going to find myself remembering my creations. So I thought about that this morning. I thought, how to talk about that, <clears throat> creations. And so I inquired, and, and a couple things um, came to me. Way back in chapter 2, way, way back in chapter 2, let me see if I can find the, I left it open, yeah. He says, the last judgment might be called a process of right evaluation. It simply means that finally all men will come to understand what is worthy and what is not. I think that's what he means by what he says, um, ask what is it for. I'll come to understand what is worthy and what is not. After this, the ability to choose can be directed reasonably. And until I make that distinction, I will feel myself moving forth and back between a free will and an imprisoned will. So the first step toward freedom, Wendy, is just like you talked about that elevator um, that elevator to my right mind. First step toward freedom must entail a sorting out the false from the true. This is corrective. And when I allow the Holy Spirit to help me to sort the true from the false, I will inevitably look upon my own creations and will to preserve only what is good. This miscreation that I <clears throat> identified as myself, I don't wish to retain that. And remember when we started talking about specialness and separation, um, we talked about how the ego is only in my awareness when I call upon it. So if I don't call upon it for anything, it it, that miscreation of my mind, disappears. That's what he means by sorting the true from the false. And Holy Spirit, um, which is my knowledge, save for me that I might do my will, enables me to do that. <clears throat> Not me, 
not me, the me I thought I was, but the truth will correct all errors in my mind. Remember that one? So when I accept the truth of creation, the truth as God created me, I'm accepting the correction of my mind. And when my mind is, crea- is corrected, I will inevitably give up my miscreation, my false identity, that costume that I seem to put on every morning, behind which my reality uh, remained unknown to me. <clears throat> so I begin this sorting, and, and then I'm in a place where, um, where I recognize forgive, and you will see this differently. And quantitatively, it seems like life presents me. But in point of fact, I've invited life. In reality, I've invited life to present me with opportunities so that I can continue this sorting, so that I can continue to allow illusions to be lifted from my mind. That's what forgiveness does. Over and over and over, life presents me with those opportunities. Every relationship, every brother, uh, everything in creation. That's what the world is for, he says, this sorting. Everything presents me with another opportunity. Forgive and you will see this differently. Allow my illusions to be lifted. Allow my illusions to be lifted. Over and over and over again. It's, It's a loving process that we agreed to, (laughs) you know, my soul agreed to this. So that as I over and over and over forgive and see this differently, what happens is I'm induced, I'm induced gently and lovingly to give up my miscreations, to give up this idea of specialness so that truth can dawn on my mind. Um, you know what, I'm just looking at the clock and I'm going to take a shortcut to the end of this. Um, and I love the way you talk about the holy instant, Judy, the holy instant of truth, which is what every moment is meant to be as I progressively release my illusions. The meeting place, um, I, I will say it like this, um, At one point um, in my life, at the point that marked the before and the after, I had a holy instant that was wordless and soundless and just wrapped in truth and love. And and it had no words at all until the very end. And at the very end, I heard these words. All of that was because you believed in the opposites. I believed there could be an opposite to holiness. When the scales are removed from my eyes and I'm allowed to see the holiness of creation, it's because I've given up my miscreation of specialness and holiness is revealed to me along with the memory that my brother is co-creator with me. And my Father is our Creator. This is how we share the fatherhood of God. 
because the only thing worthy in this life is anything I've looked upon with love. Nothing else ever meant anything. And when all of that is retained within my mind, all that I've looked upon with love, I have resolved the opposites in my own mind. The Son of Man becomes the Son of God. And he tells it to us like this <clears throat> in the Manual for Teachers. Let me fast forward to that tab. It's open here somewhere. It's in section 12 of the Manual for Teachers, which says how many teachers of God are needed to save the world. And I'm going to have to open it again because now I can't find it. It's worth the wait. The answer to this question is one. One holy, perfect teacher whose learning is complete suffices. This one, this capital one, sanctified and redeemed, becomes the capital self, the capital self that contains us all, who is the Son of God. He who always was Holy Spirit now no longer sees himself as a body or even in a body. Therefore, he is limitless. Love does that. And being limitless, his capital thoughts are joined with God's forever and ever. His perception of himself is based upon God's judgment, not his own. Thus does he share God's will and bring his thoughts to still deluded minds. He is forever one, because he is as God created him. He has accepted Christ, and he is saved. Thus does the Son of Man because become the Son of God. It is not really a change. It is a change of mind. Nothing external alters, but everything internal now reflects only the love of God. God can no longer be feared, for the mind sees no cause for punishment. God's teachers appear to be many, for that is the world's need. Yet being joined in one purpose, one purpose, one purpose, doesn't that ring through this reading? And one they share with God. How could they be separate from each other? What does it matter if they appear in many forms? Their minds are one, their joining is complete, and God works through them now as one. For that is what they are. Oneness and sickness of mind cannot coexist. God's teachers choose to look on dreams a while. It is a conscious choice. For they have learned that all choices are made consciously with full awareness of their consequences. The dream says otherwise. But who would put his faith in dreams once they are recognized for what they are? Awareness of dreaming. Awareness of dreaming. Thank you for that, Micah, is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die, yet they are not deceived by what they see. They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick or separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams, and it is as God's teachers acknowledge as behind the dream.
beyond all seeing, and yet surely, surely theirs. Thus does the Son of Man become the Son of God. Thank you all for walking me, for walking me home. Amen. Thank you so much, Lori. That was great. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for the same. Great. Thank you. Thanks for knowing the direction. You guys are so great. <laughs>